Our sermon text is the gospel that we heard read from St. Luke. Specifically, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. The New Testament is full of really lovely pictures of Jesus. Stories of his healing, performing miracles, preaching sermons, and throwing out clever sound bites. It's true, the evangelists often give us a quite palatable and likable Jesus. He is a Jesus that fits in quite well in the magazine stand or book stand in the checkout aisle. Often we hear a Jesus who is easily preached on television, who can be turned into Facebook posts and internet memes. He is a Jesus that is easily heard and received. But we don't always like Jesus. I suppose we don't always like the Jesus we see on the cover of our bulletin image like tonight. On the other hand, we often see this Jesus who turns over the rocks and sees what sort of critters are lying underneath. Today, this is the Jesus we meet who exposes the hypocrisy, and the shame of his own people. Today's Jesus gives us one who is, or whose patience and long-suffering has come to its end. Jesus comes into the great city, Jerusalem, on Palm Sunday. On that day, he was greeted by the faithful and his disciples with songs of Alleluia. They cried out, Blessed is he is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Luke 19:38. But just two verses later, the evangelist St. Luke, in the same chapter as our gospel, has this, the grumpy Pharisees interjecting to the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples for saying that. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Rebuke your disciples, they said. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, even the stones would immediately cry out. Luke 19.40. And so the scene is set for today's gospel. Actually, it starts farther back for nine chapters in St. Luke. Jesus has had his face set in Exodus to Jerusalem. This is the reason he was born, and for this reason he has come into the world. For this very moment, to enter into Jerusalem and there to be rejected by the chief priests and scribes and elders, to be crucified, and on the third day rise. St. Luke doesn't soft pedal or lollygag. We hear, just in three short verses, Hosanna to to the Son of David. Hosanna, blessed is the King. And then, it seems, without even a breath, we hear from the churchmen as they respond, shut up your children, shut up yourself. So, the question is, 
Why are the churchmen so upset with the crowds proclaiming Jesus as king? What had Jesus said or done that had them so riled up that they couldn't get behind him? Simply put, St. Luke tells us today, all the people were very attentive to hear him. To hear him. Along comes Jesus preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sins, good news, and the Pharisees are quite upset. Nothing angers a churchman more than losing his audience to another preacher. Churchmen thrive when they have a captive audience that they can tell what to do, how to do it, and then chastise them when they don't do it quite right. That is to say, churchmen thrive in a comparison game, comparing themselves and their rightness to those of the people whom they command and their unrightness. But here is Jesus turning the people away from their trust in their law overlords and away from themselves to trust in him. Jesus is turning them to trust in him and the forgiveness that he comes to bring. Every man-made empire, even ones that look quite godly, are being torn down, and whatever king was on that hill with it. But they don't like it. They'll stop Jesus from talking, even if it means they'll have to kill him to do it. That's why when Jesus comes into the city, he weeps over Jerusalem. He weeps over Jerusalem. He weeps over his church because they should have known better. They knew the promise that was given to their first parents, that was repeated by Moses and the patriarchs, also proclaimed by the prophets and the psalmist. They knew the promise of the Messiah who would come to crush the serpent's head, bring full and complete peace between God and man. The Christ is here, the Messiah, and they won't have it. He comes with things that make for peace. Or rather, he is the one who brings peace between God and man, standing in flesh and blood before them and they won't have him. It is quite literally their day of visitation. The Lord has visited. He comes to redeem his people. The door to their hearts, to these churchmen, is shut. He stands and he knocks, and yet they will not heed his call. And for that reason, we meet a Jesus whose patience and long-suffering comes to its end a little picture of the judgment that is to come. For there is finally a day when everyone and everything will be judged. All who trust in themselves will be rejected. All who trust in their works, even their, it seems, churchly works, will be rejected. But all who trust in him and him alone will receive every one of God's gracious promises, both now and in the life to come. Forgiveness, life, and salvation. 
So he speaks a harsh word, a difficult word, upon these churchmen. He says, For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Pretty horrible picture, yes? But immediately, Jesus is speaking of an event that will happen about 35 years later. When the Romans will do this very thing, surround Jerusalem and bank around it under Emperor Nero, besieging the city and leveling it, not leaving one stone upon another, just as Jesus prophesied. The historian, the Jewish historian Josephus, records the account for us and the horror of those days. He says, many thousands of Jews were slaughtered. On one occasion, as many as 50,000 valiant men, together with women and children. The soldiers spared neither old nor young, neither the pregnant nor babes in arms. On one occasion, Vespasian sent 6,000 young men as slaves to Achaia to dig on the Isthmus. 30,000 Jewish combatants were sold into bondage. In desperation, 5,000 threw themselves off the high cliffs. And that's actually not the worst of it. Jesus is foretelling of those events. And that does terrify us. That's not the Jesus we've come to love. But let's understand what he's saying rightly. Again, this prophecy was given very specifically about Jerusalem and that her particular apostasy, that is, turning away from faith. We know that in Jerusalem, after Christ's resurrection and ascension, life there did not get any better for his disciples. As a point of fact, it becomes, after a brief time of peace, increasingly difficult for Christians in that city. Bishops and pastors and Christians alike are being martyred for the faith, dying. Persecution upon Christians there would come from both the Jews and the Romans. Finally, the city's days come to an end, and the Christians are forced to scatter to the four corners of the earth. But what the churchmen of Jerusalem, on that day that Jesus spoke to them, Palm Sunday, and even the emperor of Rome, what they meant for evil, God was using for good. Yes, it's true that Christians would suffer in the way that their Lord suffered. Yes, Christians would die, many of them even crucified, in the way that their Lord was crucified. Yes, their homes often had to be left behind. Their lives upended, families separated, and to flee. Well, what these others meant for evil God used to bring about the greatest good, actually your good. For when they fled, his gospel of forgiveness in Christ's blood, that was taken with them from Jerusalem and shared throughout all the Roman roads to the four corners of the world. The gospel went with them. 
in the midst of their suffering and pain and difficulty, they were heralds of the good news. And there's a particular danger there. Thinking that our life now is an indication of how God thinks of us. It's too easy to look at your life and to think of your life's condition as a benchmark as to how God feels about you, his love for you. If that were true, then you would know that God loves you when you're safe, life is easy, your church or congregation is growing, and there's no death on the horizon. But Jesus warned us about these sort of things that make for peace. They're false. That's a false sense of peace. Because all those things, all of our life, will come to an end. Think about it. Your safety, which you might put your trust in, well, that can be snatched away with one violent criminal act. So the same with your livelihood. It can change in a moment with a job, with job loss or with a corrupt pensioner or your children betraying you or betraying the faith. This is even true for congregations. Congregations come and go. As Jesus said, the Spirit blows when and where he wills. Even our life, even that beating heart, well, it only takes a missed heartbeat and death is at your doorstep. You see, these are the things that cannot make for your peace. These are the sort of things that the churchmen of Jesus' day put their confidence in. But your confidence cannot be in things that come to an end. Because the end of all things is death and destruction. Their completion is dust and decay. Therefore, these things could never make for your peace, not a true and lasting peace. But today is your day of visitation. Today, Christ comes to visit you. He's here today for you to give to you true and lasting peace. The peace of God. That peace which surpasses all understanding. His visitation for you today is not like that of the churchman. He is not here today to leave you into despair or to give you a fear of the coming judgment. He is here today to give you his peace. That he has not departed from you and he's actually promised never to leave or depart his baptized. We rejoice today that he continues to preach and to teach us from his word in this house of prayer. That he comes and visits and redeems his people. The crucified one comes to redeem his people in the forgiveness of sins by his shed blood. Today, Jesus, by his word, is guarding your hearts and minds from sin and judgment through his word. It is true that this life and everything that goes along with it, even this congregation, indeed the whole world, will have its end. Maybe like that of Jerusalem. But life with Christ, the holy Christian church, 
and the life to come, these will never have end. So the word we hear from St. Luke today is not Christ Jesus' final word for you. This word Jesus leaves with you. Your sins are forgiven. Eternal life is yours. Go in my eternal peace. In the name of Jesus, amen.